The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. Are you ready for God's word? Lift your hands and say, Father, I thank you. Thank you for the entrance of your word. It brings light. See that? It brings light. It brings understanding. It brings illumination. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, this moment is yours. Use it for your glory. Beyond the words that I will say, let the words that the Father wants to say, let the words that will come from the presence of God be what the people will hear. In the name of Jesus, this atmosphere is yours, Holy Spirit. Brood over this atmosphere and let the word of God be life and light to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. All right. So all through we've been talking about the supernatural lifestyle. And then today, the last, the first um, topic we talked about supernatural lifestyle, we talked about what? The revelation. And then the second one, the second part we talked about the restoration okay about the supernatural lifestyle and then right now today we're talking about the overflow this is the third part you need to go back and listen to those two messages i listen to it myself from time to time you need to go back on the website and listen to it listen to the revelation listen to the restoration and after today still go back and listen to the overflow it's amazing how that just one scripture, God has been, has been showing us the dimensions of him. Showing us different aspects of how he operates, how he moves. You know, showing us everything about him. Okay? John 10.10 10 is our anchor scripture. It says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we've been looking at that life. What kind of life that as God called us to have? That, he, that Jesus said, I've come that they may have it more abundantly. Not just to have it, but to have it more abundantly. So the first part is that we saw that that life is a revelation of Jesus. It is Jesus himself being revealed to us. That is that life. And then the second part we saw that that life brings restoration. It brings restoration to things that, that were lost, that we, that, that we lost is being restored. And the things that we ought to have should, is coming to us as well. So it brings restoration. But right now we're looking at the life also is the overflow. It's the overflow. John 10.10 10, I have come revelation of Jesus that they may have life. It means that they lost it. So he's been restored to them. And that they may have it more abundantly. That is overflow. So this supernatural life consists of these three things. It consists of the revelation of Jesus. It consists of the restoration of the life that we have lost. And then it consists of the overflow. So those three things is what characterizes the supernatural life and supernatural living. So in this teaching, we will look at how supernatural living empowers you to give life. To give life. Not just you receive that life, but you become a giver of that life. You become the one 
through whom that life flows. You become the channel through whom that life flows. Such that anything you touch, it, 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 it encounters that life. Okay? We've heard about the Midas touch. In that cartoon, anything that that, that uh, uh, thing touches turns to gold. The same thing happens with the supernatural life. Anything you encounter, anything that encounters you, encounters that life. So that's the essence. And Jesus said, I have come that this thing should happen to you. I have come once so that you will experience me. I have come. That means I've been revealed to you. I have come to show myself to you. I've come to manifest to you. And then the second one is that I have come to give you life that you might have life. So I've come that whatever is lacking will be restored. Whatever is missing will come into place. Whatever is not there will happen to you. Whatever ought to be there that is not there now should happen. Whatever was stolen should not be restored to you. And then I've come also that you might have it more abundantly. Abundance speaks of overflow. Abundance speaks of beyond you. Abundance speaks of something that, that flows from you and supplies to other people. So he said, I've come that you might have life and not just have this life for yourself but have it abundantly so that this life will reach out to other people so that this life will be beyond you you will have that life you will partake of that life but the life that I have come to give to you is not for you alone the life I have come to give to you is an overflowing life it's an overflowing life it's a life of abundance such that you will benefit you will partake of it but it will overflow to other people that is the essence of the life that Jesus has come to give you and I. Glory to God. So you become a distributor of the life you have received from Christ. Hallelujah. Turn quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll read from verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. It says, and so it is written. The first Adam, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-given spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was not the earth, was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As, and as is, in, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of, of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So you and I are no longer after the image of the first Adam. We are now after the image of the last Adam, which is Christ. We are now after the image of Christ. It says we have borne the image of the earthly. We will also bear the image of the heavenly. So Christ has showed up for you and I to receive a kind of life that is supposed to be in the overflow. Hallelujah. He received the kind of life that is supposed to be in the overflow. So we see Jesus. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, a life-given spirit. Look at that in your scripture. 1 Corinthians 15.45 the last man, Adam, became a life-given spirit. Why did the Bible not say second Adam? Why did he say first Adam and last Adam? Because Jesus, Jesus' coming is final. It's the finality of everything. So he couldn't have said 
The first Adam and the second Adam. He said the first Adam and the last Adam. It means after Jesus, there is no other Adam. After Jesus, there is no other person coming. After Jesus, there is no other thing again. Everything ends in Jesus Christ. Everything ends in him. Whatever you cannot find in Christ, you cannot find anywhere. So everything ends in him. So he said he's the, he's the last Adam. And when the first Adam came, what happened? A living being came. You existed. When the first Adam came, you existed. A living being came. But now when the last Adam has come, what happens is that a life-given spirit has emerged. It means that you and I have stepped into a position where we now carry a life-given spirit. It means that you and I have stepped into the overflow. It means that you and I are living constantly and continuously in the overflow. It means that you and I have stepped into a space where Christ is, that he gives life. The Bible says, it says the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So when Jesus, who is a life-given spirit, is speaking, he's speaking spirit and he's speaking life. Okay? So when you and I step into that space and enter into that circle, it means that life should be flowing from us. It means that the same life that flows from Jesus should be flowing through us. Hallelujah. It means that you and I have entered a realm, a circle, an environment where whatever flows from Christ is flowing through us. And the Bible says that that life should be a life-given spirit. Why? Because we are no longer existing as living beings alone. We are now, we have now taken a position as life-given spirit. That's the supernatural. That's the life of the supernatural. I told us in the earlier teachings that the supernatural is not a myth. The supernatural is not something that was, we were not designed to attain the supernatural. We were not designed to chase after the supernatural. We were not designed to pursue after the supernatural. We were designed to live supernaturally. So when Adam fell, we lost that. But now the Bible is saying that Jesus has come and Jesus is not a, a living being he is a life-given spirit life-given speaks of continuity it means that continually life flows from christ continually life flows through him the life never ends he's a life-given spirit he did not just give life but he's a life-given spirit so when you and i are partakers of that life what happens to us is that we also become life-given spirit. Life-given spirits in anything that we touch. We now have the Midas touch. Anything we touch turns to gold. Anything we touch works. Anything that was not working before, when it encounters us, it begins to work. That's the supernatural life. That's the life that Christ has come to give you and I. Turn to John chapter 6 from verse 6 to 3. John chapter 6 from verse 6 to 3. It said, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The flesh counts for nothing. He said, the words that I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and they are full of life. So Jesus, here is Jesus 
a representation of our supernatural identity. A representation of our supernatural life. He's saying that when I speak to you, the words that flow from my mouth to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that flow from me to you, they are spirit and they are life. It means that they carry spirit, they carry substance. They carry substance and they carry life. So if they carry substance and they carry life, it means that you and I haven't encountered Jesus. We carry the spirit and then we carry that life. So everything about us should now reflect that life. Hallelujah. Everything about us should reflect that life. Glory to God. Everything about us. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. I'll read from verse 32. It's a journey of the Bible calls it the Emmaus journey. Shortly after Jesus died. He said they said to each other didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us didn't our heart burn within us so here is jesus who is a life-giving spirit was talking to these people on their way and the bible says that he they were they were, they were talking and then they didn't they didn't recognize that it was jesus they didn't know it was Jesus. So they kept talking and they kept discussing and they kept talking. And Jesus asked them, what's going on here? And they said, look, are you, are you new in this place? Do you not understand that um, um, Jesus of Nazareth, the one who is supposed to be the king of the Jews, has died and they've crucified him. And then they can't find his, his, his body and all that. And Jesus began to talk to them. And the Bible says that he, he opened their eyes to understand the scripture. But they now realized, after Jesus had left, they said, yes, we realized that while he was talking to us, our heart was burning within us. Look at that. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? It means that Jesus, who is the life-giving spirit, anytime he shows up, anytime he appears, anytime he comes around, something happens life flows from him to you so the same way you as a believer anytime you show up anytime you happen anytime you express yourself life should show up when you talk to people when you relate with people at work they should feel your superiority they should feel your awesomeness in Christ. They shouldn't just feel that you're, you're, you're a believer or something. But they should feel that superiority in Christ Jesus. They should feel that difference. Because you carry life. So the life should be overflowing. We've been saved so that others can be saved. We've been given life so that others can have life. We have, we, you know, God has, has given to us so that we can give to others. So the reason we have is not just for us. Whatever it is that we have is so that the world can be a better place. So that other people can benefit from what we've been given. Because we carry a life-given spirit. That's the same thing with Jesus. So Jesus has that life. And that life is not, didn't just stop at him. 
it flowed to, through to us. So when we have received that life, what the scripture is saying now, we have it abundantly. So abundance doesn't mean that it stops at us. Abundance means that it should flow to other people. Whatever it is that we have, whatever it is that we've been given, whatever, whatever kind of life that flows through us, for us to experience supernatural living, it means that it should flow to other people. You have been saved. It means through you, other people should be saved. God has given to you. It means that he gave to you so that others can have. Not just finances, but skill, ideas, plans, and um, 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 talents. God has given to you so that you can be a blessing to others. Hallelujah. Am I talking? Hallelujah. Am I talking? Okay, so it's, it doesn't just rest on you. That's why it's called abundant life. And then we have life so that others can have life. We are existing so that others, others can have life. Others can be blessed. So we are a channel. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I'm a channel. Say it out loud. I'm a channel. So the abundant overflowing life is not for our consumption. But that it may flow through us to others. When people encounter us, they should not feel our pettiness but our superiority. Our every expression should unlock their curiosity to pursue our source. It means that when people are expressing themselves, sorry, when we, when we are expressing ourselves, where people are, on our job, in our business, our home, family, everything, should begin to unlock the curiosity of others. Just like these people said in Luke chapter 24 verse 32, said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us? So when people are, when we are relating with people, they should see how superior we are. Not by what we can quote, but our spiritual intelligence. By the wisdom that we demonstrate. By the life that flows through us. That is supernatural life. Supernatural living is not just the fact that someone can come and say, Okay, you know what? I prayed three hours today. I prayed four hours today. If your prayer, if your three hours prayer and your four hours prayer cannot relate to the world, then it makes no sense. Nobody is getting life out of your prayer. Nobody is getting life out of the things that you do. Nobody is getting life out of, out of the experiences that you have. That you have to tell people that look, don't you know that I am a believer? No, you don't need to tell them that. The kind of life you live, the expression alone should begin to unlock their curiosity. And they now begin to ask and, and question your source. Um, um, sorry, I just want to ask, are you a pastor? Sorry, I just want to ask, um, what church do you go to? Sorry, I just want to ask, um, are you born again? Because the way I look at you, the way you behave, um, it, it's different. I'm sorry, I just want to ask, um, what church do you go to? You know, they begin to be curious about your life. Why? Because they've seen life flowing from you. Hallelujah. So these people recognized this thing. And then they said our hearts were burning within us when he was speaking to us. Why? Because he said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Glory to God. That's the expectation of heaven concerning you and I. Hallelujah. So when people encounter us, that's what they should see. Luke chapter 12. Turn to Luke chapter 12 from verse 13. Luke chapter 12 from verse 13. Jesus was giving them a parable. 
The Bible calls it the parable of the rich fool. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Lift up your head. Now listen. Now, this guy, there was nothing wrong with what he did. He said, tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. There was nothing wrong for him to ask for his share of the estate. But Jesus said, life is not measured by how much you own. It means that this guy, the reason he wanted the estate divided is so that he can claim things that he owns. It means that the measure of his life, how he looked at his life, was by the things that he owned. So he said, it is probably saying in his mind, if I have a better car, I think I'll be better. If I have a bigger house, I think I'll be better. If I have more money, I think I'll be better. So he began to measure his life by the things that he owned. So he looked around and said, okay, my father has an estate that has not been divided. Jesus, why don't you tell my brother to divide this thing so that I will feel better. I will feel like I own something. And Jesus replied, see, your life is not measured by how much you own. Look at verse 16. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a father farm and produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my bands and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat and drink. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this night, this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus was not after him gathering the wealth. But Jesus was after the fact that he wanted to gather the wealth for himself. Jesus was after the fact that his idea of wealth was so that he can have more and more and more. His idea for having is so that he can store up more. Even for years, he wasn't thinking beyond himself. He wasn't thinking about overflow. He wasn't thinking about the abundant life flowing to other people. So Jesus called him a fool that he did not understand. That he's a fool for storing up wealth. He said, but not have rich relationship with God. It means that rich relationship with God is when you live supernaturally. It's when whatever comes to you overflows to others. Whatever comes to you doesn't just die with you. It overflows to others. That's what God, Jesus calls rich relationship with God. And that's what the guy was lacking. If he had said, Lord, look, I have a big band. There's nowhere to store all my crops. Let me give away this one. Let me find out who doesn't have so that I can be a channel. I can be a blessing to other people. Life can flow through me. And the overflow can walk through me. The abundant life in Christ Jesus can flow through me. He didn't say that. But what did he say? 
He said, I will say to myself, take it easy. Why the hurry? You have so much money now. You have this, you have that. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. But Jesus called him a rich fool. He called him a rich fool. Why? Because the overflow does not end with you. Abundant life does not stop with you. It flows to other people. Turn quickly to me. Turn your Bible quickly to James. James. Book of James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 from verse 1. He said, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You, you want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And, when, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong you want only what you will what will give you pleasure that's scripture it's saying the reason you ask is for you to consume it all by yourself so that's the story of that rich fool the reason he wanted all this was so that he will build bigger bands he will have father bank, father bank accounts he will have bigger cars bigger houses and not overflow to other people so Jesus is saying, the life that I've come to give you is an abundant life. It's an overflowing life. But the, when it overflows, it shouldn't just stop at you. It should overflow to other people. That's when it makes sense. That's when it makes sense. So James here is telling us that the reason we, 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 we don't have is because we just want it to stop at us. We are no longer a channel. We are not reaching out to other people. We are not being a blessing to other people. We are not being a blessing to other people. Glory to God. So the abundant life and the overflowing life shouldn't stop at you. Yes, it should come to you. But heaven should see you as a channel. You should be responsible according to heaven's record. Such that heaven can count you responsible and commit to you true riches. Hallelujah. The life overflowing from Christ to us should not be too much to keep to ourselves. We should go beyond the extraordinary. Sorry, we should go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. We should do beyond ourselves. Jesus was telling them, if someone asks you to take this one mile, say, take it two miles. Take it two miles. That's what he's saying. Let life overflow from you. If someone says, slap this place, turn the other place. What he's saying literally is that let love flow. Act in such a way that they would think you are a fool. Act in such a way that they would say, look at you. Um, there's, a, there's a term we use when somebody's doing like that. Say, ah, you're doing like Didiri. Um, they'll ride you. Something like that. That's what Jesus means by turning the other cheek. Because turning the other cheek means that people will look at you like they are riding you. Say, ah, what's they do you? They will just they ride you like that. How you gonna let person just they ride you? That's what it means. So if you turn the other cheek, it doesn't mean that when somebody slaps, you say, ah, please slap this other side because the Bible says you slap. No, that's what it means is that act like someone that they are riding over. Act like someone that, ah, no problem, it's okay. You know, that's what it means. So turn the other cheek. If someone gives you this, he say, take it one mile. Say, take it two miles. It doesn't mean that if I ask you now to go to my one, you say, ah, Pastor, say I should go to my one. 
scripture says we should go four miles. So you start heading to mile four and go. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that if I tell you, go and help me get X, Y, Z. You do it in such a way that there's excellence in it. You take it two miles. You take it three miles. You know, when you're planning for something, say, okay, let's get ready for service. This is what we need to do. You take it an extra mile. You go, you go further. That's what it means. You go further. All right? You go further. You take it an extra mile. You do the extraordinary. All right? We shouldn't keep it to ourselves. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. From verse 32. Luke chapter 6 from verse 32. He said, if you love one, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? If only the people you love are the people that love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. If the only reason you say good morning to me is because I said good morning to you, why should you get credit for that? Someone say, ah, eh, I did not greet him. Why? Yeah, he didn't greet me now. So why should I greet him? If he greeted you and then you not greet him in return, what credit is there? That's what Jesus is asking. What credit is there? Eh, he didn't call me, so I will not call him. So if your call, your calling him depends on he's calling you, what credit is there? If what you expect from others is what they do to you in a good way, what credit is that? If you only reciprocate good, what credit is that? He said, even sinners love those that love them. Even sinners do that. He said, if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. What Jesus is saying is, go the extra mile. Do the extraordinary. Live beyond yourself. Live the supernatural life. Live the abundant life. That is the life that I've come to give to you. It's an overflowing life. And when something is overflowing, it spills over. It gets to the floor. It gets everywhere. It just overflows and just reaches out. It doesn't care. It's liberal. They said, the Bible says the liberal soul shall be made fat and flourishing. It just flows. That's the kind of life that Christ has come to give you and I. And Christ is saying that when you receive that life, like me let the life overflow from you let it not just be about you alone love people not because they love you give to people not because they will give back to you so your life becomes an overflow that's supernatural living that's when life makes sense hallelujah so go beyond the ordinary exceed expectation when you're given a task to do you do it so excellently well that they wonder, ah, is it just this ordinary thing I ask you to do and you're putting so much detail? That's excellence. That's the supernatural life. That's supernatural living. I used to, I used to um, 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 code a lot um, those days and I, I, I didn't like coding because 
um, in school, we're doing, I read computer science and we had, we had this um, um, course. Um, I can't remember the course. It was, um, it was a programming course. And they were teaching us programming language in um, Fortran and Basic, those days, and um, COBOL and all those things that are very useless right now. You know, Basic, can you imagine Basic, doing programming Basic. And, you know, so I, I was writing a program. So, why I didn't like programming was that each time I code, lecturer would just tell us to code and just do, um, maybe write a program to calculate certain numbers. It's just 10 lines of code. But when I write my own, it will be like 50 or 60 lines. Why? Because I will not only just write the program to, to, to calculate the numbers, I'll write it to display the numbers, I'll write it to present the number, I'll write it to put colors and stuff like that. So when we get to the, to, to the class and we're having lecture, and my, my classmates will come and like, okay, we're now comparing notes and say, okay, let me see your program, let me see your program. And they look at my own. Everybody's bringing 10, 10 lines. And they see my own 50 lines. What did you code? Is it not just to do program addition or subtraction program? And I say, well, after it does the addition and subtraction, it will display it in this format and display it in that format and display it in this format. I said, ah, one is too much. And because of that, I stopped coding. Because I felt that I was going the extra mile. Just ordinary. And it's a lot of work to code and program. All right? So I dropped programming. Little did I know that it will become useful in the future. <laughs> Glory to God. But anyway, I picked it up later and I started learning a few other things. So you go the extra mile. You do the extraordinary. They slap you here. You turn the other part. You turn the other part. Ah, you call up someone you've not called for a long time. I just want to say hello to you. You know, there's something I do deliberately. If I meet anybody for the first time and I'm getting your details, I ask for your birthday. And then pops up on my phone. Like today now, I have like three people or four people I've sent happy birthday texts to. And one of them replied and said, you never forget why. I may forget in my head, but technology has helped us to remember. So it just pops up on my phone. And these days, if you have people on, on Facebook, Facebook helps you to remember. It pops up. And it just, just, a, just a happy birthday message. Just people you've not spoken to in a long time. Maybe, fine, they are the cause of the problem, but it's okay. So you go the extra mile. That's supernatural living. They look at you and say, ah, this guy is a fool. Ah, look at what they did to him. After all they did to him, he's still calling them. Why? No, it's supernatural living. It's the overflow. Sometimes people feel that, like the word, to just deride you. It's okay. If it's for Christ, then it's okay. You have the advantage in the end. You are better off in the end. All, what all those things do is that it just makes us pompous. It just makes us proud. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't reduce your self-esteem. They will think that you have low self-esteem. But no, in the eyes of Christ, there's nothing wrong with your self-esteem. They will think that you are a fool. But in the eyes of Christ, you are wise. And then it makes you better. You live longer. Your heart is not clogged up with people holding things. Say, you, I put you in my heart. You, I put you in my heart. You, when you put everybody in your heart, which space is there for Christ again? Nowhere. No one. So the supernatural life takes us the extra mile. We go the extraordinary. When people look at us, they don't consider us the way they consider other people because we're different. The way we approach things are different. The way we see things are different. The way we look at life is different. So people look at us and they begin to wonder, who is this person? Who is this person? 
when that happens then that's what the scripture says that people one will hold this person and say take us to your god that's the kind of life that god wants us to live that's the kind of life it's a supernatural life so we go beyond the ordinary we exceed expectations hallelujah turn to second kings chapter 7 Second Kings chapter 7. I'll read from verse 8. I told us a story before of when the city, um, when the, the enemy encamped, encamped the city. Right? Look at this. From verse 8. It said, when the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. Imagine, leprous people that were outcast before. They just blow small, bam. They entered from tent to tent, eating and drinking wine. That's the explanation. Maybe as you leave church now, you just get an alert, one million, bam. And you've not seen one million before. The next thing is, ah, you enter one bar. Madam, pepper soup. Different kind of meat. From that bar. See, ah, this place they are calling shop right. I've not even been there before. Today they must know. You enter there. What do you have? You buy, 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 buy. See, ah, they said there's one place next. They just opened. You go there. So he said they entered and they were eating from one tent to another. Eating and drinking wine. People that did not, they couldn't afford water before. It was wine. He said, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and they hid it. Look at what they said. And finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is not right. This is a day of good news. And we, are, we aren't sharing it with anyone. That's the problem. As believers, when we encounter good, when we encounter the supernatural life, it's a day of good news. It's a day of good news. With that excitement, who will share it. With that excitement, who will tell someone about it. With that excitement, who want other people to benefit of the supernatural life. So when you encounter something like that, something as powerful as Christ, you cannot keep it to yourself. You go about and share it. You go about and talk to people about it. Everybody you meet, you want to talk about Christ. Everybody you encounter, Christ wants to flow from you. You may not even mention Jesus, but the way you talk, they'll, be, they'll say to themselves, there's something about this man. There's something about this woman. There's something about this person that is pulling me closer. It's a supernatural life. It's a day of good news. He said, it is not right. It's a day of good news. And we're not sharing it with anyone. He said, if we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. He said, come on. Let us go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went. So they, they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Aramean camp. They said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tattered and the tents were all in order. But there wasn't a single person around. 
Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. Listen, when you demonstrate the overflowing life, the abundant life, other people, what they, what they are waiting to hear is just in you. But because you've not taken time out to express that life, they too cannot catch that life. Okay? But when you take out time to express that life, when you take out time to let people know who Christ Jesus is through you, by your words, your actions, the things you do, how you live your life, how you respond and all, and all that, they will begin to identify what is missing in their own lives. What the people wanted here was that um, they, they thought that this, uh, the... Um, um, the Aramean army was there and they, they, they expected them to be there but what happened when they told them the good news they were shocked and surprised and they found out that, oh yes so there is no one there at all it means that when you express that life from Christ Jesus what is missing in the lives of people they will begin to find expression in it by your expression others will find expression hallelujah by your expression, others will find expression. That's the supernatural life. That's the overflowing life. That's the abundant life. That's the life that Christ has come to give you and I. So when the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, that I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. It means that this life needs to overflow. And when the life overflows, it overflows beyond us. It overflows beyond you and I. It overflows in different dimensions. Glory to God. Rise to your feet. It overflows. It overflows. It's an overflowing life. It's not just to reside with you alone. It's not just to stay with you. The essence of that life coming is not just because of you. The life is meant to overflow. So begin to talk to God this morning. Anywhere you are lacking, Jesus said, I have come that they may have this life. Anywhere this life appears to be missing in you, Jesus said, I have come that they may have it to overflow in. Just begin to talk to God. This life is free. This life is free. You only need to come to terms with it. You only need to come to the revelation of it. You only need to accept the restoration. You only need to position for the overflow. That's what you need to do. That's the life in Christ Jesus. That's the life in Christ Jesus. That's supernatural living. That's what God has, has asked you and I to embrace. That's what we've been called to do. To live that life. To live that life. Just take a moment and talk to God. Just take a moment and talk to Him. Supernatural living. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere Nigeria. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org.